Isaiah chapter 32, verse 1. Lo, for righteousness doth a king reign, as to princes, for judgment they rule. This says that a future king is coming. This is historically prophetic because it was about the future king Hezekiah who would be the last king that Isaiah would serve under. And that king hadn't come yet, but he would come after the Lord gave them victory over the Assyrians. But this is also future prophetic because it's also about Jesus Christ. Hezekiah was one of the most righteous kings that Israel ever had, but Jesus Christ is the most righteous king, period. Even the princes under Jesus will pronounce correct judgment during the millennial reign because those will be his saints. And Hezekiah's princes that were under him also practiced honest judgment. 2. And each hath been as a hiding place from wind, and as a secret hiding place from inundation, as rivulets of waters in a dry place, as a shadow of a heavy rock in a weary land. The Lord is a rock that cannot be moved, and the rays of the sun represent the persecution of this life, but the Lord gives us shade from that. In the Revelation, it says there will be no more sun-scorching men in heaven, because the scorching of the sun represents the persecution of this earthly life. And Jesus also brings waters of life, which are rivulets or rivers of life, which is his life, into us. 3. And not dazed are the eyes of beholders, and the ears of hearers do attend. This says that People will not be spiritually blind or spiritually deaf. They'll be able to see the Lord and hear his voice. That will happen during the millennial reign. But it also is true for anyone who follows Jesus now. We can see his voice and we can see him in other people. And that's why we have compassion and mercy on other people. 4. And the heart of those hastened understandeth to know and the tongue of stammerers hasteneth to speak clearly. Those who have a willing heart to follow Jesus will be quick to learn his ways. If you really love Jesus, you are quick to learn his laws and practice them. And also, it says that people who stammer will speak clearly. This is a metaphor. People who used to speak lies, speaking false doctrine, are now speaking the truth because they're following the Lord. 5. A fool is no more called noble, and to a miser it is not said rich. A miser is a hoarder, that's somebody who refuses to share their wealth with other people. In the spirit, we don't judge people by what family they're born into or how much money they have, we judge people by their character. 6. For a fool speaketh folly, and his heart doth iniquity, to do profanity, and to speak concerning Jehovah error, to empty the soul of the hungry, yea, drink of the thirsty he causeth to lack. Foolish people teach false doctrine, and this causes those who are spiritually thirsty and spiritually hungry to go without because they aren't receiving the word. In some cult churches, when you go in there, they'll tell you a lot of stuff, but it's not the word of God, and you'll leave just as spiritually hungry as you were when you entered. 
And profanity isn't just cuss words. It's any type of profane statement. When people blaspheme God, that is profanity. When teachers teach apostasy, they are teaching people to sin. 7. And the miser, his instruments are evil. He hath counseled wicked devices to corrupt the poor with lying sayings, even when the needy speaketh justly. A selfish, greedy person has evil plans against others. He's planning how to get other people's money. He gives bad advice to the poor because he wants to take their money. And even when the poor people justly ask for help, he refuses. A lot of spiritually poor people go to church looking for truth and looking for Jesus and looking for salvation, but evil teachers in some of these cult churches take from them and manipulate them and brainwash them into serving the church instead of teaching them about Jesus. 8. And the noble counseled noble things and he for noble things riseth up. Nobility is about character. It's not about what family you're born into, according to this verse. If you have great character, you will teach character to other people, and you will be called noble. 9. Women, easy ones, rise, hear my voice, daughters, confident ones, give ear to my sayings. This is a metaphor it is talking about women who live in sin, but it's also a metaphor for everybody who lives in sin because women always represent many. So when the Bible is talking about women, it's talking about many people. Easy ones means they're taking the easy way out. They're living life for themselves. And confident ones means that they're arrogant and prideful. They don't want to repent. This verse is commanding them to listen to the Lord. 10. Days and a year are ye troubled, O confident ones, for consumed hath been harvest, the gathering cometh not. Days and a year seems to be saying, for that amount of time Israel will suffer, a little over a year. In King Hezekiah's 14th year, Sanacherib came and challenged Israel from Assyria. And then, after the Lord protected the Israelites from Assyria, then he allowed Hezekiah to live 15 more years. And King Hezekiah reigned for 29 years total. Tremble, ye women, ye easy ones. Be troubled, ye confident ones. Strip and make bare with a girdle on the loins. This is talking about women in apostasy, but it is also a metaphor about all of God's children living in apostasy. Remember, we are supposed to be the bride, not the groom. In relation to the Lord, we are spiritually female, even those of us who are men, because he is the head and he is one, and male represents one. That's why God is our father, not our mother. And the bride represents many, and that's why his bride is female, not male. It's telling them to gird on sorrow instead of their robes of arrogance and confidence. 12. For breasts they are lamenting, for fields of desire, for the fruitful vine. They wish that they could be fertile. They wish that they could have children nursing on the breast or getting milk from the cow or the goat, 
and they also wish that their plants would grow. But the Lord will stop the fertility of the land while he's punishing Israel. 13. Over the ground of my people, thorn, briar goeth up, surely over all houses of joy of the exulting city. Where they once sacrificed idols and threw parties, they will not have crops for a while, and they won't have extra food to party with. 14. Surely the palace hath been left, the multitude of the city forsaken. Fort and watchtower hath been for dens, unto the age, a joy of wild asses, a pasture of herds. When the Assyrians overtake Israel, the palace will be preserved where Jerusalem is, but there will be forts and towers around the area that the Assyrians overtake that will never be used again by the Israelites, and wild animals will roam around those towers. 15. Till emptied out on us is the Spirit from on high, and a wilderness hath become a fruitful field, and the fruitful field for a forest is reckoned. We had seen these same words in a former chapter, when it said that the Lord will turn fields into forests and forests into fields. I believe verse 14 and 15 are actually talking about not when the Assyrians took over Israel, but when Israel ceased to exist for a while, until 1945 when it became a state again, because the land was desolate when the Israelites went back to Israel in 1945. And then once they established a state there, it started getting greener and greener. 16. And dwelt in the wilderness hath judgment, and righteousness in the fruitful field remaineth. This judgment is when the people give a rest to the land, but in this case the Lord is going to do it. In the law of Leviticus, they were commanded to let the land rest from agriculture every seven years, but in their greed for money, they never let the land rest. Part of paganism is using the same soil year after year and never letting the soil replenish itself, and that's what we do here in America. We use the same soil year after year, and that brings a curse on the land. Since the Israelites had not allowed their land to rest every seven years, the Lord expelled them from the land for the amount of years that would equal all those years that they didn't let the land rest. 17. And a work of the righteousness hath been peace, and a service of the righteousness, keeping quiet and confidence unto the age. Now this seems to be talking about the millennial reign of Christ, where he brings peace to Israel and actually to all the world. He brings peace and righteousness. 18. And dwelt hath my people in a peaceful habitation, and in steadfast tabernacles, and in quiet resting places. There won't be any war during the millennial reign of Christ. People will not have any fear for their safety. They'll be able to go about their business, never fearing a skirmish or a battle or even a threat of battle. And then after that is eternity. 19. And it hath held in the going down of the forest, and in the valley is the city low. Maybe this means that in low valleys there will be peace. A valley is an easy place for an army to attack. 
because they can come from uphill and then the people in the valley have nowhere to go. But this says that even the valleys will have peace. 20. Happy are ye sowing by all waters, sending forth the foot of the ox and the ass. This means that agriculture will boom. Isn't it interesting how the evil elites of the world hate agriculture? But in the Bible, the Lord says that agriculture is a blessing. The Lord is a God of abundance. With the Lord, there's always room for more. There's always food for more. There's always shelter and clothing and love for more. God can love an infinite amount of people. When God is in us, we are also commanded and enabled to love an infinite amount of people and take care of an infinite amount of people. We never should fear that we don't have enough food to give to our family or enough shelter or enough love. There's always enough. And in heaven, there will be infinite love and infinite resources. And that concludes Isaiah chapter 32.